Levi Brackman here with Truths, Jewish Wisdom for today. Thank you so much for joining. Today I have a very exciting podcast, I think is very exciting, about the Rianic Kabbalah, and it's all about why was the world created. But before I get into that, I just want to mention two very quick things. First of all, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, like it, leave a review. This allows other people also to find the podcast. Secondly, today I am doing this podcast in memory of my dear late father, Dr. Derek Samuel Brackman. He was a scientist who just had a thirst for knowledge, curious, and was very healthily skeptical about everything. And he taught me how to think critically and instilled within me this thirst for knowledge that has sustained me throughout my life. And I'm very grateful to my father and may his memory be a blessing, and I have no doubt that should he have known about this podcast, he would have listened to it and would have had great interest in its content. Now, he did study Kabbalah, and I remember it distinctly, although he didn't study the primary text, he was not a Talmudic scholar as such or a, a scholar of the Torah, he was a scientist, but he delved into secondary literature, and I remember distinctly him studying secondary literature of the Kabbalah. And it was something which fascinated him. Although he wasn't an adherent of the Kabbalah, he did study it and take interest in it, just as I do today, albeit from a primary text vantage point. So this podcast is in memory of my father. May his neshama have an aliyah, as they say. Now back onto the episode about the Rianic Kabbalah and why was the world created. Now, part of my academic studies, I studied purpose in life. Now, I always talk about the difference between the purpose of life and the purpose in life. The purpose in life is something which we as humans, we need to feel that we have a sense of purpose. And that is something which we can work on and try and figure out how can I make my life purposeful? How can I do purposeful work? How can I feel purposeful in that which I do with my family? All that relates to purpose in life, which is very different than the purpose of life. Because the purpose of life relates to these ultimate questions about why did the world come into being? Why did God create the world? Is there a God? What was before the world? So today, I'm going to talk about the purpose of life, not the purpose in life. If you can see behind me, there's that book right there. That's my PhD. And my PhD is all about the purpose in life. Today is about the purpose of life. Ultimately, as humans, it's very difficult for us to have a real idea of why this all came into being. It's a challenge for us to try and understand that. And we're going to get into a little bit of that as well, according to Lurianic Kabbalah. But it's challenging for us to understand what is the purpose of life, because we weren't there when it was decided. By definition, we are here already. And then the question is, well, why did this all come into being? But since we weren't there at the decision time, it's very difficult for us to know why it happened. And obviously no one tells us. But Lurianic Kabbalah, based on the Zohar, has a lot to say about this. So why, according to the Zohar and according to Lurianic Kabbalah, did the world come into being? It's a little bit of a philosophical argument here. And that is that according to Rechaim Vital and Arizal, in the beginning, if you like, there was just God. And what does it mean, just God? Well, it's described as the Or Ein Sof, 
The Orin Sof is the infinite light. Now, literally, the translation is light without an end. The infinite light. What is the infinite light? According to Rabbi Chaim Vital in the Eitz Chaim, the infinite light is this light which is totally pure and simple and cannot be described in any kind of way possible. doesn't have a beginning, doesn't have an end, doesn't have any kind of form to it. It's just this pure light of God. That's what existed prior to any universe coming about. And now, according to this thought, there's a fundamental problem associated with God just being this pure, simple light. There's a problem with it. What's the problem with it? Well, I'm first going to talk about it in the Kabbalistic language, and then I'm going to try and explain it conceptually. So, according to the Kabbalistic language, God has a name. And that name is Havaya. Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. That's the tetragrammaton, the ineffable name of God. And that denotes the idea that God was and is and will be. Was, is, and will be. He is in the past, in the present, and in the future as one. So he's, he's all these things. Well, if you don't have a world, you don't have time, then God can't be past, present, and future as one. He's just a simple being, simple, infinite light. And therefore, there can't be any manifestation of this idea of God. So if you're going to say that God is perfect, the word which is used is shalem, complete, perfect. If you're going to say that God is absolutely perfect, then he has to somehow transcend this concept of time. He has to be able to be past, future, and present as one. And if there is no such thing as past, future, and present, then he is not manifesting himself in this name of yud Hey vav Hey. He's just not. And therefore, he's not perfect. <laughs> So that is the first problem that we have with God just being this pure, simple, perfect thing. Now, conceptually, the idea here is that in order for time to exist, the philosophers explain, you need to have space. Let's be clear that these ideas which existed prior to the theory of relativity in Einstein and how time and space might not necessarily be dependent on each other in the same kind of way as was thought prior to Einstein. So this is, according to pre-Einstein philosophy, time and space are totally and utterly dependent on each other. Time can only exist if you have the physical universe, according to this. So there's the amount of time it takes before this happened and after that happened, and all these need to be markers in time. And if you don't have that, then you can't have a God which transcends time, and therefore you don't have a God in his perfect sense, because there is no space, and therefore there is no time, and therefore you don't have a God which transcends that, and therefore to show his power in the world, if you like, he has to have this concept of space and time, and therefore he created the universe. The words used by the Kabbalah for this is begin the ishtemoidoin lay. In order 
that he should be recognized or in order that he should be known. God wanted to create the universe in order that he should be known, his glory should be known, and that and that the whole world should be filled with his glory and that there should be a recognition of how great God is. So there's this idea that God on his own, in his pure, infinite light, cannot be known to others. And if he cannot be known to others, there's no way to actually show his greatness. In order for God to show his greatness, he has to create the universe and then transcend time in the universe, be past, future, and present all as one. And now you've got that greatness of God which transcends the universe and that greatness and that perfection can be recognized. There's actually two aspects to this. There's the aspect of recognition that God wanted to be recognized. That's the first aspect. But then there's the other aspect of it, which is that if you don't have the universe, then that perfection is not really a perfection. Because the perfection, as I stated, can only happen once you have the ability to transcend that time. If there isn't space, then you don't have time, and therefore there's no transcendence of time. And therefore, that concept of God being past, future, and present as one is only in concept. It's not in actuality. It hasn't manifested itself. So in potential, when God was in only his infinite light, you might say God potentially could transcend time, but didn't actually transcend time because time wasn't existent yet. There was no space. So in order for that to actually manifest itself in actuality, God had to create space and a world in order that there should be time so that God's power as having this ability to transcend time was manifest and therefore became known. And then the universe, the other beings in the universe, then get to know God's greatness because only God can transcend time but all these created beings cannot transcend time. And therefore, now God is known as being transcendent and greater than everything else. And God had that desire to be known in that kind of way. That's the first aspect. The second aspect is that God is known as the name Adonai. The concept of Adon, which means a master. Adonai means my master. So, God, in order for him to be a master, there has to be some kind of servants or slaves. You don't have a servant without a master, and you can't have a master without a servant. So in order for God to manifest himself as a Adon, as a master, there had to be servants, there had to be slaves. And in order for there to be slaves, he had to create the universe. So this is the manifestation of God wanting to be known as master. And in order for him to be known as master, he had to create servants or slaves, and that is the universe that he could then be master over. God could be the master of the universe, so he had to first create the universe. And again, the idea is that when he was in his simple light, before the creation of the worlds, 
all you had was this idea of potential to be master of the universe, but not actual master of the universe. In order for that to become an actuality and not just to be a potential, he had to create the universe. And without that, God is incomplete in a sense. Because that which was in potential is not in actuality, and without it coming into actuality, it's an incomplete greatness. In other words, the whole idea here, which you find in Lurianic Kabbalah, based on the Zohar, is that the reason why God created the world was because begin the yish because he wanted to be recognized. He wanted his greatness to be recognized. He wanted the idea of Moloi Chalaris Kavoidai that the whole world is filled with his glory to be a fact. He wanted that which was in potential to come out in actuality. And the only way that could happen was to create the universe. Now there's psychology here. It's important to understand that the Bible says that God created man in his image. And according to the Kabbalists, that doesn't just mean the physical man, the human, but God created the Adam Ha'elion, the, the supernal being in his image. God created the upper worlds in his image. And in some sense, that which God is, is an image and a mirror of what humans are because it all comes from the same patent, if you like. It's the same model. So we humans, in a sense, we're a mini-God. And because we were creating that same image, the mirror image of the divine. The reason why I say this is because it's important to understand that the Kabbalists try to understand God through their own experience. These were people who spent a huge amount of time thinking about their own inner life. They were very well aware of their own inner life, their own inner spiritual life, their own inner psychology. And they then use that to model the divine. And there is a psychological aspect which is then taken from, I think, the human condition and now transferred onto the divine. And that is that we humans, when we feel that we're living in a world where our potential isn't being expressed, there's a huge existential pain that exists within us. The moment we don't feel that we're expressing ourselves fully in the world, we know that we have a certain potential that can come out, but it's only in potential right now. We're not able to express it fully. That's existential pain. That's tremendous angst that exists. And a lot of what the humans try to do in the world throughout their lives is try to create the conditions around them in order for their being, their talents, their potential to express itself and to come into fruition. So there's actually wisdom and, and, and self-understanding that the Kabbalists have because what they're really saying here is that just like humans, when we live a life where we know we have something to express, but it's only in potential and it hasn't yet come into fruition, there's a desire to bring that out, to allow that potential to come into actuality, to manifest itself in the world, that desire is deeply rooted in our being of who we really are. And as long as we just live in our own glory, so to speak, 
and we're not manifesting this to others, it is very challenging for us as humans. We feel stifled. And that is then mirrored onto the divine. And we can now start to understand what the Kabbalists are saying. That God, when he was in his in Sof, in his infinite simplicity, there was a potentiality there for that greatness that he had within him, that potential greatness, which was, the Kabbalists would argue, was always there, but it just wasn't in actuality. It hadn't manifested itself. There was a desire for that to actually manifest itself in the universe. And for that manifestation to take place, there was a need to create the world as we know it, so that God would be recognized. And same thing is with humans. We humans need to have self-expression. We need to have this idea of self-manifestation or self-actualization. And if we don't, we'll never feel that our life is truly fulfilled. And so this idea is actually really important to me because I started off talking about my PhD, which was about purpose in life. When I first started thinking about the idea of purpose in life, it was actually this Kabbalistic idea which motivated me to go down that road. Because I recognized, as I studied these ideas in the Kabbalah back 20 years ago, that this is a truth that exists. And that is, we humans, in order for us to live a fulfilled life, we need to be able to take that which is in potential and make it actual. We need that self-actualization. And if we don't have that self-actualization, we are going to live a stifled life and be existentially challenged. We're never going to feel fully fulfilled, which set me on a path to try to understand how can we help people figure out what that is for them? What is it for each person that they have that they can truly uniquely express in the universe so they can feel self-actualized. And I spent 10 years of my life trying to understand the human condition so that humans can probe inwards to try and figure out what is that thing that they have inside them that can uniquely be expressed and that will lead to self-actualization. So if you read my PhD, and a lot of it is academic and numbers, etc., but the introduction, I think, is worth a read. You will see that I created a program of self-reflection and self-examination, which, when carried out properly, leads people to figure out what is it within them that is hidden and that is potential, and then how they can then manifest that in the universe so they can self-actualize. And I did uh, research on this, and it was proven that when someone goes through a process like that, they actually have a greater sense of meaning and purpose in their life. But my research and the work I did for more than 10 years around the idea of purpose in life and an organization I created called Youth Directions came about from this Kabbalistic idea that God wanted his greatness to be expressed in the world. Begin that people should recognize him that that greatness that he had in him should be manifested to the universe and should be recognized by others. And God created man in his image, so each human has that same concept within them, 
that they also have a unique, strong desire to express to others. And when they do, and they're able to express that in concrete terms in the universe, that is self-actualization. So that is the idea which is very powerful from the Zohar and from Lurianic Kabbalah. And the question might then be, well, what came first? Did this idea come from God or did it come from the humans, their recognition of their own human condition? And then they said, well, that this is how it is with me. Therefore, it must mirror image with God. Or was it coming from God, a Kabbalah that somehow was revealed to them? I think that the whole Kabbalah is an exercise in human self-reflection. And the Kabbalists self-reflected a lot. And from that, they came to understand in their mind the divine. And whichever way it is, it doesn't matter. These are ideas which are consequential. There's tremendous wisdom inherent in these ideas. And therefore, it's worthwhile thinking through them. Why did God create the world? Well, he wanted that people should recognize him. He wanted to be recognized by others. And he wanted that that which is in potential should come out in fruition and should actualize and therefore he created the universe in order that his greatness should actualize in the world and as long as it was in potential it didn't actualize and therefore it wasn't considered complete it wasn't considered perfect so this is where i will stop today we've spoken about why god created the world according to lurianic kabbalah and next week we're going to talk about how this happened what was the process that took place in order for the walls to be created and we're going to get a little bit deeper into this idea of the will of god and this idea of before and after and what that means prior to the creation of the universe and then we're also going to talk about the great contraction and the simtsum but for now this has been Levi Brackman with Truths Jewish Wisdom for today. Again, if you like this podcast, please uh, subscribe, leave a review. Hope this has been valuable to you. Thank you so much for joining me once again. And until next time.